What a blessing today to celebrate the graduates in our community. My own daughter, Serena, is graduating from elementary school this year, and so we join in the celebration with so many of our families. Now, today's message is with our graduates in mind, but it's not just for them. It's for all of us. And that's because when we are living life to the full, and that's why Jesus came. He came to give life and life to the full. When we're living life passionately, we are going to encounter graduation moments over and over again in our lives. Because a graduation moment doesn't only occur at an academic milestone. It really occurs anytime we are stepping into a new season, when we're on the cusp of something brand new and we need to figure out whether we're going to be ready to engage the changes in life. That's why graduation ceremonies are called commencements, because they're at the start of something new. So I want an offer that a graduation moment really is moving from what is familiar into a new season with new possibilities, responsibilities, and challenges. And this kind of graduation and graduation moment will occur again and again in our lives because Jesus is the one that is leading us forward in our lives and he has more in store for us than we can imagine. And sometimes it is tied to an academic milestone. Uh, my daughter, Serena, you know, finishing up her sixth, her sixth grade year this year made me think about what it felt like for me when I was graduating from elementary school. And I still remember that, you know, graduating from elementary school, it felt like finally I had gotten, you know, familiar with school and like the elementary school felt like home. I knew all the classrooms, all the teachers. We had finally become, you know, the oldest kids at the school, the biggest kids on the block. And then bam, all of a sudden we're headed to middle school. And we're headed to a place that was much bigger, had new teachers, new subjects. I remember being super stressed out and anxious about something that I don't think most schools have anymore. But when I went to middle school, we had lockers and they had combination locks on them. And I remember being so stressed out about what happens if I forget the combination of my lock and all my stuff is locked inside. And you take all of that and you add in puberty, you add in braces, you add in much bigger kids, and you wrap that together, and that's where you get the graduation feeling. You have excitement and fear mixed in together. You have anticipation and anxiety all bundled up, hoping for things to go well, but afraid of all the things that could go poorly. And that feeling is one of the ways that we know that we are stepping into another graduation moment in our lives. And that can happen at any age and stage. That happens on the first day of a new job when we're just starting to meet people and we're wondering, is this job going to go well? Am I going to thrive here? Uh, our graduation moments may be tied to a relationship. It may be tied to going from dating to engagement to marriage to possibly having kids. And at every stage of commitment, the next step seems exciting and also terrifying. Is this relationship going to work out the way that I hope? Are, are things going to blow up in an unexpected way? 
And of course, we find graduation moments in the broken parts of our lives as well. When a relationship ends, when a marriage falls apart, and we're thrust into a new season and trying to find our way. And as has happened for so many families over the last year, and really what we are all likely to encounter at some point in our lives, what happens when a loved one passes away and we are trying to navigate a new reality with a permanent hole in our hearts and trying to figure out what the new landscape is going to look like. A graduation moment is any time that we are moved from what is familiar into a new season with new possibilities, responsibilities, and challenges. And let me just say this. If you feel like you haven't had a graduation moment for a while, that you've been coasting, and maybe you're happy that way, I want to suggest that this message is especially for you. Because we are all created in the image of God. And God has a plan and purpose for your life and my life that is bigger than we can imagine, that is bigger than we can do on our own, that will stretch us into new seasons and into graduation moments. And if God has seen fit to give you the gift of life this day, then he has something God-sized in store for you that he wants you to tackle. To put it simply, if we're not dead, then we're not done. And if you haven't had a graduation moment for a while, this may be your day to ask of God, what is that next season for me? Is there something more that you have for me? And then to open our hearts to embrace it. Because Jesus is in the business of graduations. He initiates and calls us into graduation moments all the time. And we'll be looking at one of these moments in scripture today. It's from Luke chapter 10. The full passage is verses 1 to 20, but we'll be looking at some specific parts of the passage as we go through. And see if you can notice the graduation dynamics as we read through this passage. So we'll start with Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. After this, the Lord, that is Jesus, appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And then continuing in verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Do you see what Jesus was doing for these 72 that were following him. He was pushing them into a graduation moment where they were forced to move from what is familiar into a new season with new possibilities, responsibilities, and challenges. And what happened in the passage? We see in verse 17, it says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Today, I want to share three essential things from this passage that Jesus teaches us to help us navigate life's graduation moments. And my prayer is that we will be able to hold on to these three truths through every new season of our lives. The first lesson that Jesus teaches us is this. No matter what we're graduating from, no matter what we're graduating to, we always need to remember that we are sent. We are sent. We are sent just as much as the 72 that we saw in verse 1. We are sent um, where it says, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. They were given an assignment, instructions, a purpose. They represented Jesus in all the places that they went. And if you notice, and this blows my mind, the fact that they went to a place meant that the presence of Jesus was coming behind them. And that can be true for you and me as well. When we are sent somewhere, we bring the presence and purpose of God with us. And when we know that we are sent in life, then we don't live aimlessly. We aren't just making up things as we go along. And we're not just hoping that we have a significant life. Instead, God is fulfilling something significant and important through our lives. In one of the first jobs I had uh, coming out of college, now it's over 20 years ago, I had an experience of what it meant to be sent. Uh, 20 years ago, um, I started working for a company, and one of my first days on the job, uh, the CEO called me into his office. Now, I had only spoken to the CEO uh, a couple of times, and that morning, the CEO had had a meeting with an industry executive that had flown in from out of town. And so they had had their meeting in the morning, and then, to my surprise, I got called in. And the CEO turned to me and said, Tilden, uh, my friend Ron is here. Uh, he needs to get back to the airport. I was going to take him myself, but something urgent came up. And so I need you to do it. Here are my keys. Take my car, drop him off at the airport, and then come on back. And he handed me the keys to what is still to this day, the nicest car that I have ever driven. It probably cost about twice my annual salary at the time. And just for reference, at the time, my first car coming out of college was a Geo Prism. So it was just a little bit nicer than the car that I was used to driving. So here I was in my mini graduation moment. I was moved away from what was familiar, driving my little Geo Prism. And I was now sitting in a very nice car that was entrusted to me for a very specific purpose. And the thing about being sent was I couldn't just do what I wanted with that car. I couldn't go on a road trip or joyride or do donuts in a parking lot. I had an assignment to fulfill. 
And to be honest, when I was driving, I was thinking, you know, if something happens that I get into an accident, I'm probably losing my job and this career path is probably not going to work out. When I think back on that experience, it actually makes me think of both the positives and the negatives of being sent. On the positive side, I had an experience that I still remember. I was able to drive a car that I had no business driving. I had a conversation with someone whose accomplishments far surpassed my own. But on the downside, my freedom felt constrained. I could only go one place. I had to come right back. I couldn't drive as fast as I wanted to drive. I had an assignment to do. And I think if we're honest about this, there are times where we feel, we, we feel like it's hard to embrace being sent by God in our own lives. That there are times that we wish we weren't sent. That we might rather not have the responsibility or the accountability of being sent by God. We'd rather have the freedom or the autonomy to live life however we want it. In a sense, we'd rather wreck our own cars or wreck our own lives rather than feel like we are accountable to God. But when we feel like this, we've missed out on seeing who God really is. We've missed knowing God's heart because ultimately God is not a CEO that just throws tasks at us and just wants them done. And if something goes wrong, he's going to punish us or yell at us. The God that we serve is the one who sent his son Jesus to die for us. God is the one who gave everything in order to pour out his mercy and grace and forgiveness into our lives. He's the one that's on a rescue mission on this earth, on a healing mission, on a justice mission. And when he sends us to be a part of this mission, he sends us as trusted family members, as beloved children, as honored ambassadors. He sends us because he loves us and he trusts us. Let me say one more thing about being sent. And that has to do with what Jesus says in verse 19. In verse 19, Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And if we misunderstand this, we might think, I can't be sent. My life is too messed up. I'm too broken. There are so many things in my life that haven't turned out the way that they're supposed to, and I'm just doing my best to make it through the day. I'm barely holding it all together as it is. So God, send someone else, but don't send me. But I want you to remember this. Even as Jesus is saying these words, nothing will harm you. Jesus already knows that the cross is in his future. Jesus already knows that there is a road of persecution and suffering and tragedy that he will face and that his disciples will face in the early church. So Jesus isn't promising that everything in our life is going to go well. And he's not saying that suffering means that something has gone wrong. What Jesus is promising is this, that if God can use the brokenness of this world that put Jesus to death to work redemption and to work salvation in this world, then he can do the same thing with the broken parts 
of our lives. He doesn't just use the high points. He doesn't just use the successes when we get everything right. God is a God who can take the broken parts, the disappointments, the times where we let ourselves and we let others down, and God can take all these broken parts and he can work redemption and salvation through them. He sends us just as we are, and no matter what we face in this life, his love promises to catch us that no harm will fall upon us when our race is done. So in this graduation moment, as we enter into a new season, I challenge you with this question. What does it mean for you that you are sent? If you're starting your first job or going into a new school, what does it mean that you represent God, his love and his mercy in the place where you are going to go? In your family or in your relationship, what does it mean that you are a conduit for God's love and mercy to the people around you? And if you're in a retirement season or you feel like you're coasting and you're not sure what it means to be sent right now, I challenge you, what does it mean to come before God and to ask him, what is my new calling or assignment in this season? Is it a step forward in praying for others? Is it a step forward in serving others? But in every season of our lives, we should be living out of the reality that we are sent. The second thing that Jesus teaches us about navigating graduation moments is that each new season requires a new commitment to Jesus. So remember that a graduation moment is when we are taken from what is familiar and we are brought into a new season with new possibilities, responsibilities, and challenges. And when we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory, one of the questions that we always will ask is, where is God in this season? And what does it mean for me to walk with him in this new space? Now, this is a question that would have been on the minds of the disciples as Jesus was sending them out. Jesus says in verse 3, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. And I'm sure the disciples were thinking at that moment, is this our only option? Do we have to go as lambs among wolves? And I would imagine that they were thinking, if we have to go as lambs among wolves, then we're going to go as super prepared, disaster prepped lambs. We're going to be well stocked, well funded, well armed. We are going to be as secure lambs as we can be as we go among the wolves. But then Jesus says this in the very next verse. He says, do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. What? And then he goes on in verses 5 through 11, and he, and he says that, there's going to be people that they meet that are going to welcome them, and there's going to be people that they meet that are going to reject them. And so some of the places that they go are going to feel like successes, and some of the places that they go are going to feel like failures, like the whole world is against them. And I can imagine some of them thinking, as they're hearing all this, do we really have 
to be sent? Do we really have to embrace this new season? Why can't we just stay where we are, where we are growing so much, Jesus? We're hearing all the things that you are teaching. We're seeing all the people that you are healing. We are growing. Why can't we just stay here? My faith is growing here, and I have no idea what happens to my faith out there. And as much as I wish it were otherwise, the unmistakable lesson of Scripture, even in this passage, is that God's work in our lives isn't to make us comfortable. It's to make us holy. It's to fulfill God's redemptive purposes, to shape our hearts, to shape our character, to align the work of our lives with the work of God's kingdom. So as we move from graduation season to graduation season— from assignment to assignment. We are stretched. And when we are stretched in every new season, we are called to make a new commitment to Jesus so that we can thrive in that season. This is especially important when we're coming out of a season where we feel particularly close to God. For me, one of those seasons was college. I had a great community in college. I had very close friends and, um, and you know, great relationships with people that I was moving forward with um, in the things of God. I got to travel in the summers, go on missions trip, teach. I was a part of the leadership in my community. And my, and my life changed so much in those four years. I felt so close to God as I was coming out of that time. And then I graduated. And I can remember the first time that I visited a new church after graduation, and I felt like I didn't know anyone. And I visited a small group Bible study, and all the guys in the group were at least 10 years older than I was. Uh, They were talking about their marriages and their kids, and I felt like I have nothing in common with these people. And I'm sure they looked at me, and they thought, This kid is just barely out of his teenage years, which in all reality, I was. And it was so disorienting for me to feel like I had come so far in my relationship with God, and now I was in a new season where I had to start all over again. And I had a very distinct choice that I needed to make at that moment. I could either decide that God is simply not as relevant in this new season of my life and try to make my own way, or I could decide to make a new commitment to Jesus in that time and to walk with God for what he had for me in that season. You see, our journey with God is like our journey in life. We can't dwell on past glories. One of the wisest things that anyone has ever said to me actually came in my fourth grade year um, from my baseball coach. We had a great baseball team. We won the league championship that year. We were undefeated. And after the last game, the coach called us all together and said, you know, kids, enjoy this moment because you may never go undefeated in your life again. And you know what? He was right. I've Never had another undefeated experience, but I can't live my life wishing that I could go back to fourth grade to experience all of that over again. And I can't do that. We can't do that in our spiritual lives either. Jesus' whole ministry was about bringing a new revelation of God's mercy and love and grace into this world. And Jesus was the one who said, 
New wine requires new wineskins. If you move into a new season, then God wants to do something new in you in that season. He wants to share a part of himself with you that you've never experienced before. He wants to grow your faith in a new way because you're in a new place. And we need to be open to that, which means we need to make a new commitment to Jesus in every new season that we enter. So let me ask you this. In this graduation moment, are you ready to make a new commitment to Jesus? Are you prepared that your relationship with God in this new season may look different than it looked before? If you're going off to college in this new season, you may have to make that choice, that new commitment to join a new church or to choose a fellowship community. You may have to develop new relationships. You may have to develop new disciplines. If you're at a place where you're starting a new job, you may need the support from someone to be praying for you and asking you, are you making sure that this new job is not dominating and taking over your life? Or if you're in a season of coasting, you may need someone to, you may need to find someone to come alongside you to pray for you, to ask what is the new season, the new challenge, the graduation moment that God is bringing into your life right now. Each new season requires a new commitment to Jesus. The final thing that Jesus teaches us in this passage is this, that we must know how to win the right race. When we enter into a new season, we all want to be successful. We all want to win. And those who were sent out by Jesus wanted the same thing. These 72 people go out and they return in verse 17 and they're ecstatic. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But Jesus knew that their desire to win could actually be a trap, just like it can be for us. Because for many of us, the only way that we know how to win is to be better than someone else. We compare ourselves to others and we win by being better. When we're in school, we're trying to get better grades. When we're working, we're trying to get a better title, more money, um, uh, uh, you know, to climb the ladder faster. And as parents, we can fall into the temptation to to view success as when we compare our kids to others and feel like they're doing better. You know, a pastor I knew once would always say, when you climb the ladder of success, make sure it's not leaning against the wrong wall. And for these disciples, Jesus reminds them what it truly means to win. And he says in verse 20, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, don't rejoice in the power that you have, something that you can do that no one else can do. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus came so that our names could be written in heaven. Jesus sends out his followers to proclaim his love and grace so that others can discover that their names are also written in heaven. In God's view of life, winning doesn't mean being better than Winning means knowing that we are blessed and being a blessing to others. I came across a graduation story in the papers this week that touched my heart. There's a young man uh, by the name of Devarius Peters. We have a picture of him right here who was graduating this year. 
He was graduating from high school, and this is him on his graduation day. He had put on his dress shirt, his dress pants, his robe, his stole. He had put on a pair of, you know, plain black shoes with a white sole. He was all ready for his graduation day. He went with his family to the convention center where the graduation was being held. His family went in, found their seats, and he went in to join the students on stage. And as he was entering into the building, a school official there stopped him and said, our dress code requirements are that your shoes need to be dark dress shoes, not athletic shoes, so you will not be able to participate in the graduation today. And DeVarius was shocked. All he wanted to do after four years of high school, after going through a pandemic, all he wanted to do was walk across that stage and get his diploma. He thought about what his parents would be thinking when he didn't show up to get his diploma. And he just didn't know what to do. As the graduation neared, it was almost time. He was walking around outside the convention center and he came across someone that he knew, Mr. John Butler. John was a para-teacher at his school. He was a support teacher. And he was there on a, um, on, a per, on a personal basis. He was there because his own daughter was graduating. But he knew DeVarius, so DeVarius came up to him and said, and explained what had happened. And uh, John looked at DeVarius, saw that there was nothing inappropriate about the way that he was dressed. And so together they went over to the school official and they explained what, had, what, you know, what, they explained, and, and John tried to get him in, but the school official would not budge, would not relent. And so at that moment, what John said is this. He said, this was the most important moment in his life up to that point, and I wasn't going to let him miss it for anything. And so without hesitation, John Butler did what he felt like he had to do, and he gave DeVarius the shoes off of his own feet. This is a photo that they took after the graduation. These are John Butler's shoes that DeVarius walked across that stage with. And the funny part of the story is that John Butler wears a size 11 and DeVarius wears a size 9. So DeVarius got his degree skating across the stage in shoes that were two size, sizes bigger than, uh, than what he wore. And John Butler couldn't fit DeVarius' shoes, so he sat through the whole graduation in his socks. People were looking at him, but that's how he celebrated DeVarius and his daughter graduating. In God's view of life, winning doesn't mean being better. It means being a blessing. It means finding ourselves in our socks sometimes, just like John Butler, to help others celebrate the most important moments of their lives. And perhaps to help others even discover that their names too are written in heaven. With what you are pursuing in life, are you trying to win the right race? This is a commencement address because we are all starting something new. This day is the start of the rest of our lives for each one of us. So this day, let us know that we are sent by God. No matter where we go from this place, 
We are God's presence and representation in this world. And help us to make a new commitment to Jesus in this season. And help us to win the right race by being a blessing to others. Amen. My prayer is that God spoke to you through this message. And I want to especially challenge you with this message response. I will commit anew to Jesus in my current season. This comes right out of the second teaching point from uh, today's message, that no matter what season we're in, if we feel like God is calling us forward, is stretching us forward in a graduation moment, that we need to make a new commitment to Jesus, to open our hearts to all that he has for us, to be able to live out the reason why he is sending us into this world. And so if you want to, to make this response today, I want to invite you to make it concrete on our connection card. You can find our connection card via our app. It's on our website. And on that card, you can let us know that you are making a new commitment to Jesus today, or you are making a solid recommitment to Jesus in this season. And you can just mark that down, and we would love to support you in any way that we can. For all of us here in this community, I want to challenge us to spend some time on this reflection question. Am I winning the right race with the things that I'm pursuing with the best of my time and effort and energy? Is it going towards things that have eternal significance? Am I helping people to know that their names are written in heaven? So I hope you spend some time on that reflection question.